Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Episode 150 of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Corey Richmond, joined as always by Jason Brooks. Jason, uh, it's a new year. A lot of wrestling happened. A lot of things did happen inside and out of the ring. We finally have an end of the Dixie Carter era in TNA. We might have saw the best match in the history of wrestling. The first time I know of Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer giving a match six stars. Uh, we have a break coming in Lucha Underground. And we've got more WWE. And I guess the question I'm going to ask you at some point in this episode is six weeks, too many weeks in between pay-per-views. Because they're repeating a lot of stuff right now. But we'll get into a lot and a whole lot more. But... uh Jason, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, we've got this amazing playoff game that's that, that's coming up here. Houston and uh, and Oakland, the worst quarterback matchup in the history of the playoffs. So uh, watching that while we're doing our show. And uh, it, it was a you know very fantastic week for New Japan, that's for sure. And um, so I, I guess I would make it a great week in wrestling. Uh, not sure how great Raw was, but uh, overall a solid week for wrestling. I, I agree. Uh, so, you know, let's start Let's start there. Uh, one of the forefathers of when it comes to talking about wrestling, uh, you've got the Wrestling Observer with Dave Meltzer. You know, you bring up a couple of guys, got him, got Wade Keller, you know, some others there. But when uh, Dave Meltzer says something, most people, you know, listen, perk up their ears. And he usually, you know, you get stars ratings to everything. Usually, you know, the highest rating you ever get is a five-star match. Omega versus Okada, he gave six stars, which basically in his own way is saying, and he said it's, it might be the best match he's ever seen. So besides the whole entire Wrestle Kingdom show, which, you know, there were good points and bad, where do you rank Okada versus Omega? Is it the best match you've ever seen? I mean, uh, Corey, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to how to quantify that. Um, I'd have to go back and think of other matches I've seen. Do I think, I mean, let's just put it in the context of, do I think it'll be the best match of this year? Yes. I, I don't, I doubt there'll be a match better this year that, you know, that I will see. So I, I will definitely say that as far as the best match I've ever seen. I mean, I don't know. There's been so many great matches over the years and, you know, it's different, right? When you watch matches, great matches when you're a kid and great matches when you're an adult and, and you know, so it's a little bit trickier, a little different, but um, I'll say it's one of the best matches I've ever seen, and I think it'll probably be the best match this year. It was like I mean, I was it, going, I was going nuts. Like it was, it was a tremendous, tremendous match, man. It was, it was phenomenal. And one of the things about the match I loved, and it was long, and it was the shortest forty-six minute match ever. I didn't realize <laughs> how long the match was, exactly. um, because it was so compelling. And they didn't bust out their finishers eighteen million times either. You know what I mean? We see this with WWE a lot where it's like the guys doing their finishers a million times and they're breaking out of their finishers. You know, they didn't use their finishers that often. Um, I don't even think they broke out. I don't think, uh, I think maybe Omega broke out of uh, one of uh, the Rainmaker ones, I believe. But um, in general, there wasn't, you know, false finishes based off of their finishers. So, yeah, it was just a tremendous, tremendous match. Everything you could want for you know, drama, emotion, physicality, high spots. And that's what a wrestling match is supposed to be. I mean, it's, it's a perfect, it was basically the perfect match. I mean, you know, I, I look at it this way. Was it better than Undertaker, Undertaker versus Shawn, the first, the first one at, uh, at WrestleMania? I'm not sure. I think that's, you know, one of the high marks. Is it better than Steamboat versus Savage? I think it's a different time, so I think... That's still one of my favorite matches of all time, but I think over time, you know, things have advanced. Did it? Did it have all? Did it have you know that raw emotion of the story that you know Okada versus Tanahashi had last year? So I mean, I think there's elements of it that I'm not sure if it's the best match I've ever seen. But like you just said, it's by far. I think the Royal Rumble's going to have to do a lot to even come close with Cena versus AJ or, you know, uh, Owens versus Reigns in the next month. And I'm not trying to put undue pressure on the WWE, but they have a, a very big task to go and be the best pay-per-view of this month by, by any stretch, you know? 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Royal Rumble is generally the best WWE pay-per-view of the year. So um, so we'll see. Um, usually the matches on there are good because they only have a couple, and then the Royal Rumble match itself is usually a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with the Rumble. Again, you know, feeling the pressure of what happened in Japan, you know, a month before their their, their show is one thing. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? AJ was a main adventure in New Japan, came over to WWE during the Royal Rumble, now is the champion, and now is going to be in the main event of the Royal Rumble. It's, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting how wrestling kind of comes full circle sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, the other guy who was in that match in Wrestle Kingdom, Nakamura, is the face of that, of that company. He'll be facing, you know, Bobby Roode the night before. So, I mean, at their takeover show. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing that a year ago at this time, those two men were in the co-main event of, of the uh, Tokyo Dome show. And this year, they're going to be in the main events or semi, you know, biggest matches on their respective shows a year later. So that, that is pretty impressive, to say the least. Um, what do you, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but Omega, I believe it was on Thursday or Friday, put out a tweet saying that he's taken some time off to reestablish things. I believe that it's all storyline driven. He's taken some time off after having one hell of a, a year, great year in general. But, you know, now all the internet marks and everyone out there are saying he's going to NXT or he's going to be a surprise person in the Rumble. That's not happening. But what do you well, think? I don't, that, know, I don't know if it's storyline. He might, I mean, he puts his body through quite a bit. He might just be literally taking some time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think Omega's smart enough knowing that all the things that are said with the idea of at the end of, right if like with last year with Wrestle Kingdom, where AJ and, you know, the club and Nakamura all left. They were expecting this mass exodus of guys, and he's playing along with this storyline a little bit of saying, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. I'm leaving all my options open. Is that, okay, all right, hold on, hold on. You're saying two different things. Did he say in a tweet that he's taking time off to keep his options open, or he's taking time off to heal his body? Taking time now, off and leaving his options his Twitter, open. That's interesting. What did you say? I believe it's to leave his options open, but... Uh, as we both quickly try to find Omega's like Yeah, because I think because I think that's I mean that's the important part is, is what did he, what what did he say? What context did he say it? That's that's the thing that, that would be of interest to me. But yeah, I mean if if he's saying that no now um he did, you know, essentially trash the WWE, uh, by the way. Uh he trashed the WWE title, he said that it's uh, meaningless. Um yeah, he said, I will be stepping away from Japan to reassess my future. The path of my, path of my journey may change, but my goals will not. So, yeah, <clears throat> essentially he said that he's he's stepping away for a little bit. So, yeah, that's that might be a storyline. That might be, it's, that's interesting. I mean. That's, that's interesting. I, I mean, right, so I don't think he's going to the WWE. I, I think there's no way. The way he trashed the title, you know, the WWE title, he, he said the title was worthless in an interview mm -hmm. um, in anticipation for pumping up, you know, the, the, the um, main event match. Yeah. So, I mean, he just trashed the WWE title and then he would go to the WWE. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. You know, with Ricochet, he wants to go to the WWE. He's made that very, very clear what his goals and expectations are. Um, so... You know, and Omega even said, and, and maybe this was just for an interview or whatever, you know, but he did say, you know, I want to be, I, I want to be a legend who maybe never steps foot in WWE. I want to become a legend without being in WWE. So, you know, who knows? Or who knows if this is a storyline for him to come in as a member of whatever the club and on NXT and trash everyone in the WWE. I have no idea, but I don't think so. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, I expect him to take, you know, maybe three or four months off, rest his body, get everything back in, and then maybe come back as a babyface. Or, you know, I, I still think he might be with, you know, the elite and stuff with the with the Bullet Club, with um, with with the with the Young Bucks, and maybe Adam Cole. And that's yeah. another subject where Adam Cole winds up in May. But we'll get to that, you know, maybe another yeah, week from here. I mean, and maybe Corey, this is a, a time for him to take some time off. You lost the match. He's going to take some time off. And that's when they kind of put Cody in that, that main event singles spot for the Bullet Club 
Uh, I didn't love his match against Juice Robinson, um, you know, on the pay-per-view. Uh, but I think he's got better matches in him for sure. So so maybe that's it. Maybe it's it, it's Cody's turn to ascend to a you know more main event level with the Bullet Club. I mean, that's possible. I was going to get to, to uh, Cody in a second. But last thing on Omega and Okada, I really think that this is one of those matches like the Ricochet will offspring match. I think there's one of those matches that's really getting the lack, I'm not saying, well, not lack wrestling fan, but the casual fan with all social media and everything is getting them to say, what is this, what is this, you know, New Japan thing again? So, I mean, I don't know if this is going to lead to more people getting New Japan World. I mean, uh, depending on what you believe, I, and I don't think uh, Steve Carino had any reason to lie about this, but the day of the show, they got... 50,000 more subscribers and 55% of them were from North America. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if that's, tw- that's what, 25,000 people? I mean, you know, I mean. In a day? I, I mean, that's, that's yeah, it's not bad. That's not bad. Well, I mean, but, New Japan means- World okay. isn't doing, spect- I mean, I only think they have like maybe 200,000 uh, subscribers at this point. It's, it hasn't been a huge success by any stretch. Yeah. So okay, well then, if they only have two hundred thousand and they got fifty, that's that's a good, that's pretty good. I mean, I guess that just brings up the idea of one of the big things that came out of the show. It was rumored for a while, but the G one, the first two nights of the G one this year, I believe it's July first and July second, are going to be in Long Beach, California. Unfortunately, I don't think Mayor Jay's going to be able to make it out for that, but uh, we'll be sure to be watching it on New Japan World, but. I think if you're having this continued uh, exodus of New Japan trying to go and become a global brand, having a guy like a Kenny Omega, the Bucks, and, you know, these guys in as key figures, I think is going to be important if you're going to be taking that chance and doing, you know, shows like the G1 in America. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think that... um you know, you look at the New Japan talent that came over that would, you know, be at Ring of Honor or come to Ring of Honor. Those guys were more over than the Ring of Honor guys. And they were, you know, all Japanese guys, Nakamura's, Tanahashi's, the Okada's. So I don't know if the I don't know if the talent needs to necessarily be white to or, you know, American to be um, you know, to get over for them to get over in this country. Um so I think Shibata is one of probably one of the most he's probably Shibata's probably more over with the American audience <laughs> than he is in, in New Japan. I mean, yeah. it, the audience loves him. So, yes and no. Uh, but I think with with Omega and the Young Bucks, as much as, you know, I always say I don't love the Young Bucks, they are stars for sure. You know, and I, and I think about an interview they had earlier uh, this week where they said, uh, last couple of weeks, where they said they easily could have been in the, in the WWE with AJ. But they had recently signed their contracts with New Japan to stay there. Right. And I, I do think, you know, we, we see Gallows and Anderson and how they've kind of had struggles on the main roster. That's a nice um, way to put it. Yeah. I think if, you know, the Young Bucks were there, I think they would have been so over. I think they would have been so over. They would have been unbelievably over. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting kind of how things work. So I don't think they necessarily need to be, you know, there needs to be, you know, Americans, American main eventers to help um, New Japan audience get over in America. I just think they need as many stars as possible. And in Omega and the Young Bucks, you have three stars. And, you know, now now with Cody, um, you have three or four stars, um, you know, who are American, who, who can help them, who can help them overseas. Sure. Uh, and quickly, as you brought up uh, Cody... I'm going to call him Cody Rhodes. I don't care. His match with Juice Robinson I thought was was okay. I thought Juice looked very good. I thought that Cody... He threw, he threw, he threw a lot of clotheslines. I, I don't know. I, I, I think he threw... I, I don't know. I, I completely disagree. I thought it was a slow match. I thought Juice Robinson threw a lot of clotheslines. Cody played a little bit too much to the announcers. I, I didn't think it was a very good match at all. Really? Okay, well, I guess we'll disagree on that one. I mean, Cody had an agenda. I mean, he was continuing the ROH storyline that he's doing on TV right now with Carino. Before Carino more than likely leaves for uh, the WWE, you know, for his performance center uh, job. But um, I thought that match was okay. 
I thought, like I said, I like Juice Robinson. I think he's one of the most improved guys in the last year. I think he's really done well in New Japan. Um, but I guess the other, but the big thing I want to talk about from the card otherwise was the ROH title match. I yeah. thought the match was fine. I didn't think it was spectacular by any stretch. I think they, that, didn't give, they didn't give it a lot. Of, they didn't give it as much time as I feel like they should have for having a title change. You know, they had a match last year, Elgin and Lethal, um, during Wrestle Kingdom. And it was a shorter match. It wasn't a great match, but it was fine. Jay Lethal just defended the title. To have a title change and have the match be of that length, I don't know. I, I feel like the match I felt like a formulaic match. I felt like these two guys work together so much. They know how to work together, and they know how to have that kind of match. That was a good match. I mean, but for a title change, I think they should. And I know Wrestle Kingdom was a, I mean, a pay-per-view. Took, I mean, I, it took me two days to watch the show. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I get it. But I would have liked that match to have been a little bit longer, especially if you're going to have a title change. But it was a good match. I'm not saying it wasn't a good match. It was a good match. I mean, it was, it was fine. I mean, the one thing, um, before we get to O'Reilly itself, and I'm going to make this quick point and we'll move on. One thing that ROH has to understand, and I just think that it's going to take them a long time to do it. ROH fans love, respect, and super care about the New Japan guys. Japan, unless your name is Michael Elkin, does not really care one bit about the ROH guys. I mean, they're usually all gaijin, uh, uh, non-Japanese, and they just don't really... A lot of times, the Japanese crowds don't care if there's not at least one Japanese guy in the match that they can root for. I mean... Maybe you saw it differently, but the crowds on these matches, when it's just ROH guys in there, if lesser names the Young Bucks, don't really care. And I think well, yeah, ROH well, has to figure that out. That you know, yeah. well, they're not they're not there that often. You know what I mean? Like for instance, Ricochet, right? He's you know Gaijin. I mean, they love him. <laughs> I mean, he is really over with them. Right now, again, you know, he's he's won Best of the Super Juniors before. He has been there for years. They've seen this guy. I mean, I, again, I think he's the best, best athlete I've ever seen in pro wrestling. And that shows and, you know, kind of how he is. So the fans love him, right? Um, so, you know, they, I don't think it's that they don't care about the Ring of Honor guys. Because I think they like O'Reilly. Um, but, you know, we need to see a Ring of Honor guy in the G1. I mean, I, I think we, we, need, we need that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so I think the audience isn't necessarily that familiar with those guys necessarily. Right. That's true, yeah. But so I, I don't think it's that they're not over or whatever. I think it's that they don't really know him. You know, when Cody Rhodes came out, they knew Cody Rhodes, and I suspected they would because he's in WWE for so long. Mm-hmm. And you know, he got a he got a little reaction there. So, um, but with Adam Cole, you know, I mean, he's in Ring of Honor, and the audience may not. The Japanese audience may not even get Ring of Honor TV in Japan. Uh, probably not. Right. right. So they're not familiar with these guys, really. Um, O'Reilly, obviously, they are more than Cole. So I don't know if it's that they don't care. And I don't know. And, and I guess my thing for you, you're saying, so are you saying that because of that they shouldn't have had a title change? Or are you saying they should have had that match at that time? Like, wh- what do you mean by they don't care about those guys? So what does that mean in terms of, what well, they should have done differently. I think, well, it's uh, both points on that. One, I understand yeah. that ROH was in a tough spot. O'Reilly is done with the company. He could resign, but signs look like he's going to the WWE slash NXT or Flow's, doing maybe some sort of deal with Flow Sports to be go everywhere. But the Japanese fans, like I said, Japanese fans, unlike a lot of American fans, I guess, that for them to care about something a lot, somebody, they have to, a Japanese wrestler has to be in the match or someone who goes and, you know, represents them. And there's no, and most of these Ring of Honor matches, there really isn't that thing there. Like you said, I don't believe they get the TV for Ring of Honor. They, they see Ring of Honor guys on their end, you know, maybe three times a year. Some of these guys are on tour or the thing they're doing now with the Honor Rising shows. Which, you know, on an Honor Rising show, which is a ROH, basically, New Japan show, your main event should be, you know, an ROH title match, but I don't know if you need to have an ROH title match as what, like the fourth match or fifth match into the show, just basically just collide into a show, which really doesn't mean anything. So what do you do then? I mean, 
right? Your Ring of Honor, you want to have a big match on New Japan's biggest show of the year. What do you do? You have a standard match with two guys just flip and flop out there. I mean, I, they're I mean they're in a the tough. I don't. I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I agree because you hope that you can put two guys out there and eventually have the audience become familiar with them. Maybe they don't know them, but maybe they have a really good match, and then the and then you're building that with the audience. You know, I mean, having Dalton Castle against Silas Young, I love those guys, but you know that's oh, not the best. But that's not the best of what Ring of Honor has to offer. So if you're giving this New Japan audience a Ring of Honor match, a standalone match, and it's the only match they're going to have that that you know for that day with the most audience that are watching a New Japan show. You want to give them your best guys, and Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are their best guys. So, I mean, I don't know. If, I, I guess I don't know if I agree with that. Now, in terms of um, a title change, I mean, that's something that we could talk about. But in terms of just having a match in general, I, I don't think having a match is a bad idea. I really don't. I mean, I, I hear you. And last last point on this, and we'll move on to O'Reilly very quickly. The way that, and I think you realize this, the way that Wrestle Kingdom goes every year is every match is a little bit better than the match before. So these guys are basically told that you guys put on a good match, but you're not going to overshadow the people ahead, you know, who are wrestling after you. Like the Young Bucks versus Rapungi Vice, that match could have been a, a lot better than it was, but they're slotted as the number two match on that show, so you're not going to go and blow up the crowd you know, in match number two when you have all these other matches. So there's the pecking order of what's important, as you saw with Wrestle Kingdom. Those last four matches, each one got better and better until you got to the six-star match. You know, so, I mean, I think there's a way that New Japan does things, and I'm not sure if Ring of Honor is really gaining that much by putting a world title match on a show where their guys aren't in one of the really the marquee matches, especially when you have eight title matches out of a 10-show, 10 10-card 10 show. I mean, they're gaining exposure, though, right? I mean, they're gaining they're, they're gaining exposure for their brand in another country. So, I mean, I don't I don't see the I don't I don't see the um, I don't see the um, harm in that. You're literally getting your brand more exposure. I, I don't see the I don't see the problem. Yeah, they, they didn't give them as much time, um, but I don't see the problem with giving your brand more exposure in a country that they aren't in. I don't, I don't see a problem with that at all. I, I will we'll agree to disagree on this. I mean, like I said, I don't think most people are even talking about the ROH title match as any part of this show. But let's move on to O'Reilly. The, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, as of January 2nd or 1st, officially was officially done with ROH. I don't know if the general idea from day one was to take a title off him after at the show or not, or if they were put into a corner. But O'Reilly is done. He might work some more shows here and there, possibly. But what do you think on the idea of Kyle O'Reilly, the free agent? Should he go? Do you think he should resign with our weight? Should he go and try to take a chance, you know, with Flow Sports and be part of Major Star in their network? Should he go to NXT? Should he take a chance with, you know, TNA? Where do you, what do you think, what do you think Kyle O'Reilly should do? Well, uh, first of all, Connor Cook just threw the worst interception I've ever seen. He's awful. Um, the Texans are up uh, 10 nothing. if anyone's interested. Okay. Uh, also, as far as O'Reilly, before we talk about where he should go, what was Ring of Honor doing? Why did they give him the title if they thought he was going to leave or might leave? Like, what are they doing? What you tell the guy is, you resign, you get the belt. You don't resign, you don't get the belt. You know, you give a guy a belt to try to convince him to stay. You know, and then the other issue, right, is they have all this TV that they've taped. What do you do with all this TV that you've taped, all these weeks of TV? What's going to happen with that? They had the show on Wednesday. I think they've taped shows for the next little while. What are they going to do with all those shows? I think this is a mess for Ring of Honor. I, I have no idea why they gave this man the belt, knowing that he might leave. And now he's leaving. I, I don't, I, Corey, I don't understand it at all. I think, it, I, I think it's just an absolute asinine decision to give him the belt to convince him to stay. That, that there's, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely absurd. In terms of where he should go, listen, I love Kyler Riley. He's one of my favorites, right? 
I don't know how successful he'll be in the WWE. Not initially, anyway. Um, I think he's great. I think he's one of the best in-ring performers in the world. I think there's no doubt about that. I think the guy can wrestle a good match with me. But, <laughs> but I don't know if... I don't know if he's... You know, I don't want to say WWE ready. I, I don't know what any of that means, I guess. But I'm not sure how good of a personality he has for that audience. I'm not sure. Maybe, he, maybe I, I, you know, he he has it better than than I realize. But you know, I'm not sure. He's keeping his options open. Good for him. But he must really not want to be there for them to give him the title and then him still leave. I don't know. I, I feel like we're missing something there with this story that's eventually going to come out. Because I don't understand how you've been working to get this title, they finally give you the title, and then you leave? I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're missing something from this story completely. I don't know. Like I said, I mean, Bobby Fish has resigned. Jay Lethal mm-hmm. has resigned. A lot of the big names. I think War Machine hasn't officially resigned yet, but I think they're, they're 50-50 right now. I mean, majority of the people who were free agents right now have resigned, and I mean, but, you know, but, but why would O'Reilly not stay? Like, what, like, what do you, what do you think happened there? I think people were talking into his ear, maybe saying, you know what, TN, uh, NXT's gonna have a lot of people moving up to the main roster. You can be a big guy there. You know, the the low end guys in WWE still make a decent, will make more than he most likely will make in uh, Ring of Honor. I mean, I guess that might be it. I mean, who knows? I mean, like, this is all speculation, but he may have said he was going to re- resign and then decided not, you know, changed his mind last minute. I mean, people like, you know, uh, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net have said for, you know, a while that he thought, from what he was hearing from his people, that Kyle O'Reilly was going to leave. And, you know, Adam Cole, whose uh, contract ex- expires at the end of April, I believe it's May 1st, is 50-50. So, I mean, they're in a tough situation, you know, either way. You know, they just put the title, uh, I know I'm changing it slightly, but they're putting the, they just put the title back on Cole, and he could be gone in, you know, in three months. or Well, at least, at least he's not going to be gone uh, in, in next week. I mean, Corey, how do you give the guy the belt and he, you know, you, you don't do the, oh, well, I have your promise you'll resign. No, I, you write your name on this paper here, and then we give you belts. That's how this works. We right? give you belts. That's how the, we give you belts. You sign <laughs> dotted line. We give you belts, right? When I call for, for Sesame Chicken, they say 10 minutes. Oh, God. And then, you know what? I go there. It's ready in 10 minutes, right? That's what you do. He signs the contract. You hand him belts. Not... This wishy-washy, if he's wishy-washy, you tell me you're not going to give him the belt, right? I, I don't understand. I don't. Understand. I, 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 I don't. And I think Adam Cole should leave. Because I think he has done all he can do there. I think, you know, the one thing you could say for Adam Cole is now that he's a member of the Bullet Club, if Omega is not going to be around as much, you know, it kind of could be, you know, Cody probably will be more of a part-time guy. Mm-hmm. You could see Adam Cole in the G1. You could see Adam Cole maybe do a lot more in New Japan. That is very possible, right? So that is something maybe he could get a bigger foothold in New Japan. And so then when he comes to WWE eventually, it'll be like more of a kind of holy shit moment. Right. So maybe for him, it might make sense to say maybe. But he's ready. I mean, he's been ready. Um, and you know, I have obviously you know how I feel about him. I, I, he's uh, unbelievable, and he's. I mean, he can talk, he can wrestle, he can do whatever. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, he's he's exactly what WWE needs. But um, at least they're giving a guy the belt who's going to be there for three months. I mean, I don't know. New Japan. I mean, Ring of Honor is in trouble, Corey. We talked about this uh, last week or the week before about them not building stars, and now O'Reilly. They're losing him, you know. It's they're they're definitely in a tough spot. So we'll see who they elevate here. Who who becomes a, you know, more of a top guy? You know, you put Jay Lethal back in that spot. I mean, uh, you know, they do that again. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I I agree. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a mess. I mean, 
They've got some good guys there, so it's not, you know, a dumpster fire like, you know, most people think, you know, TNA is right now. But um, mo- moving on, uh, just I, I brought this up at the very beginning of the show. Roy- uh, Royal Rumble now, I believe, is four weeks away, or after this Monday will be three weeks away. But six weeks in between pay-per-views in the, the brand split era that we're in now, it's too long because, I mean, what you're seeing on Raw now where you're having the same combination of four guys every week is just slowly killing me. You know, I mean, next this Monday it's already been announced that it's going to be a handicap match for the U.S. title. It's going to be Owens and uh, Owens and Jericho versus Reigns. I mean, how many times do we have to see this combination and something with well, Corey, hold on. Seth well, hold on. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm going to cut you off here. Sure. So this is the issue, right? Is it that the pay-per-views are taking too long? Because what have we said on the show forever, right? More time between the pay-per-views. You build up the stories, blah, 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 blah. So we can't on one hand say, man, they should really build up these pay-per-views. And then on the other hand say, oh, my God, when is the pay-per-view going to happen? I mean, Christ, we've been having pay-per-views every two weeks for the last three months. I- I'm okay with this length. I wouldn't if you if we were, if we were watching SmackDown every week. If we only had SmackDown and didn't have Raw, do would you be saying this about how long this pay per view is going to take to get here? Uh, but that's the thing, though. I mean, you've got when we have pay per views every other week, and we have you know half the size of a roster for these shows. You're making the same matchups over. And, I mean, think about but McCoy, this. McCoy, that's not it, though. It's not about the same matchup. It's about that they're not compelling. That it's not about this match or that match or that. SmackDown, I, I'm looking forward to the Rumble. They have a couple more weeks of material they can get out of this feud with AJ and Cena, what they've already done with them. This last couple of SmackDowns have been terrific. So if they go a couple more weeks to the pay-per-view, they'll be fine. Their shows have been compelling. Raw has not been compelling. So they got a pay-per-view next week. And I'm not going to give a shit because I don't care about Reigns and Owens. That's the issue. It's not that the pay-per-views are taking too long. It's that the matchups on Raw are not compelling. How many times have we seen Jericho and Owens against some Reigns and Rollins combo? And now we got Strongman in there who, who the audience half cares about. The problem is it's not compelling. The problem is not the length in between the pay-per-views. Okay, like I said, I, mean, I just think it's like, and that is more of a raw thing than a smack than a smackdown. That's what I'm saying because raw's not compelling. It, it's not it's not compelling TV. It isn't. All right, well, let's go to the one compelling thing that was on Raw this week: the final segment of the show, the return of Goldberg for the first time since uh, he announced he was going to be in the Rumble. I thought it was actually a really good segment. I don't know if I want to see the Kevin Owens show every week. But I thought it, it really built up a lot of interesting ideas. I mean, I think most people still think it'll be Lesnar versus, you know, uh, Goldberg at Mania, uh, Owens versus Jericho, and, you know, uh, Roman versus someone. We don't know yet. But that segment led to the idea of multiple Fire, directions. Fire Roman versus Strongman. Maybe. I mean, but you know what? I, that one segment led to multiple ideas of where they could go. They can go Goldberg. Goldberg winning the Rumble against Reigns for the title. And Goldberg versus, um, you know, Goldberg versus Lesnar. Strongman versus Goldberg. Strongman versus Reigns. You know, still Owens versus, you know, uh, Jericho. They have a couple ideas that they threw out you that now, maybe to you it still is, but now it doesn't feel like it's an automatic. We're going to have this guy versus this guy. That segment yeah. really brought an idea of other matchups. Especially no, I, I agree, and I think that's when the WWE does their best work, when they kind of give you that, you know, you're not sure where they're going to go. No, we think we know where they're going to go because we've been hearing about these potential matchups for months, and we read the dirt I mean, we kind of know, I have an idea what's going on, but I do think even us having a pretty good idea on where they're going, I think they did a nice job of, of making us, you know, not sure about where they're going. So, yeah, I thought it was definitely an interesting segment. Uh, again, some of the people in there I don't particularly care about, but um, I do think it was a good segment to make you think, hmm, where are they going to go with this or where are they going to go with that? Um, I, the audience was into the last segment, but I don't, I don't think the audience was into the last segment as much as 
as I would have, if I was WWE, you would have hoped, I guess. All right, and one of the things that's come out this week, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but, and this is going to lead into uh, SmackDown, Braun Strowman, Strowman, whatever the hell his name is. Strowman. We just call him Strowman. Okay, well, I just can't pronounce his name. And Baron Corbett have been working with two of the most senior guys in the company. Braun has been working heavily with Big Show, and Corbett's been working heavily with Kane. Now, I want to, I'm going to, you know I'm not a big fan, I haven't been a big fan of Corbin. But Corbin had a very good match this week with, um, as I don't know what's going on in the football game, but uh, had a really good match with Ziggler on SmackDown. I think he's been doing a lot better on the mic, so my opinion of him is starting to change. But I, but what do you think it of this? It took you six months. I think, well, it took a little while for him not just to kick and punch every, every show. But what do you think of the idea of these, of guys like Big Show and Kane mm-hmm. working with these younger guys to, and, you know, kind of mold them into the next generation. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's tremendous. I think these guys need it. Um, I think Strongman really needs it. He needs a lot of work. Um, whereas I think Corbin doesn't need as much work. I think Corbin's, you know, good on the mic. Um, and he does need to work on, in, in, you know, in-ring stuff. But, you know, a, a lot of it is he's a big guy, right? So he's got to wrestle like a big man. That's WWE's big about having big men wrestle like big men, not doing you know, flips and craziness. So he's got to work like a, like a big man. So yeah, I, I think it's good. And Kane and big show for as much as, you, you know, we don't love them now. And, you know, we're, we're, we're happy when they're not on TV. You know, they're legends in the business. They're two of the best big men in the history of wrestling. So, you know, whenever, you know, you get a chance to work with guys like that uh, for them, it's, it's gotta be a great experience. So, that, so leading into SmackDown, I, like I said, I thought that, the Corbin Ziggler match was very good. I don't particularly care that much that we had a title change of the IC title. But what, what did you? I know you've been a bigger fan of him than I have for a longer period of time. But what do you think of Corbin this week with that and also the promo that he came in at the end of? What, what do you What do you think of Corbin right now? Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing very well. I mean, I, I've told you that before. I think they, I think they're doing a nice job with him. I think he's he's. You know, he's going against good people who can help make him look good. Um, I think he is pretty solid in the ring. I think on the mic, he's actually very good. Um, I enjoyed his segment, him coming out, and, you know, kind of similar to Strongman, you know, and Raw, coming out and and throwing his kind of hat in the ring in terms of the impact he could make. I do think he gets a big WrestleMania match. I don't, you know, a big, you know, one of maybe, if you want to say one of the top three matches for SmackDown. I think he probably gets one of those slots, and I think he's done a. I think he's done a really nice job, and he's a very, very good heel right now. So yeah, I like what what he's been doing. I like his progression. I like how he's in, improved in the ring, and he's doing a nice job. And the other half of that is is Ziggler. It looks like we're finally getting the heel turn that I think everyone has wanted pre pre the draft, but especially since uh, losing at that first you know SmackDown only pay per view to Dean Dean Ambrose. People have wanted him to go and recreate this character and do something different. And it looks like he's turning he's turning heel. What do you think of the idea of Ziggler being heel in 2017? I mean, I still remember, you know, that heel run he had when he went against Cena. He was he was tremendous, you know. So um, I think he needs to be a heel. I think, you know, he's he's his character has grown very, very, very stale, very stale. So, yeah, I think it's good that he's a heel. I think it'll present some potential interesting matchups for him moving forward. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it's good. I mean, I'd love Ziggler to maybe lead a stable or, or, or something like that. It looks like they might be setting up some Apollo Cruz thing with him. But, you know, I, I think um, it's good for, for Ziggler, and he'll be able to help some of the younger guys, you know, like Cruz maybe get better. So, yeah, I, I think it's good. The only thing I would say on that uh, is that, now that Ziggler is looks like he's going to be a heel, can you name more than four baby faces on the SmackDown brand right yeah, now? You know, it's really funny. I was as I was saying that, um, I, 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 there aren't many. There aren't many baby faces, and there aren't many baby faces that anyone cares about. True, yo, Kalisto, who I like, and who the audience likes. Um, but you know, Apollo Crews, you know, nobody cares not about. many, you know, not many other. The other thing with, with, with SmackDown, and maybe you're going to bring this up, but you know, I, I think they've done a nice job with the women, uh, for the most part. 
I don't think the matches have been overly compelling at all, but I think storylines wise, it's been probably, you know, it's been solid and they're making more women stand out, but man, it's starting to feel a little uh, soap opera, you know, all my children with, with the Nikki, but you know, everyone's calling out everyone's boyfriend and you know, it's, I, I don't mind it a little bit, you know, when you ha- when you do stuff like that, but it's a little too much. And dating John Cena, you you know this, it, it's it's a little, I don't know, you know, a little Desperate Housewives, you know, a little keeping up with the Kardashians. And I get it, right? They have total divas, and you know, you need to you know make the women stand out for one thing or another. But we're kind of getting back to that. Oh, I I hate you because you sleep with this man, and, and like it should be. It should be more than about that. It should be about, I want to be the champion, and I, and I have to get through you to be the champion. You know, and so I, I don't know. Um, I, I hope that it, it sounds like that's kind of what they're doing with the women on SmackDown now, and it's it's what it is, but I hope they don't continue it because I think that could start to get annoying after a while. I, I agree with you. Uh, now let's get back. Well, the, the the last thing I was going to talk about in regards to SmackDown. I know we're going a little rapid fire this week, but we're we had a super long show last week, which, so trying to get back on track. But I think the best thing we saw all week in the WWE was the AJ John Cena contract signing. Never been a huge fan of contract signings. I think they're repetitive, and most of them are just there to just start a fight. Haven't been a huge fan of those. But the promo that AJ and Cena gave and Ending with Corbin setting up the match for next week with AJ, with uh, with Cena, I thought was just spectacular. I really, for a guy, especially with AJ, for a guy who people thought was just a mushmouth, who couldn't talk, he's turned into one of the better promos out there, as we said, you know, in past shows. But I really thought AJ was really good. I thought Cena showed that fire that we don't see from him a lot. I thought the idea of bringing him up with the part-time guy, and the idea of, you know, he's basically become The Rock, I thought was really good. And I'm really looking for, I mean, they'll never get as good of a match as Okada and Omega did this this past, you know, week. But I'm really, really looking forward to Cena versus AJ3. I agree. I think they're going to have a very good match. I think Cena's definitely going to win. Um, setting up some type of big WrestleMania match. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I, think, it, I think it's... I think it's tremendous. I think it was a tremendous promo. Um, Cena was a little uh, repair. I love this place. I had shoulder surgery. I came back in two months. Well, you weren't here for like five months. So like, let's, you know, I mean, let, let's not go crazy. Um, I think, you know, usually with Cena, right, he gets the better of the guys in the promos, like almost always. But in this case, I do think AJ got the better of him. And I think AJ was right in a lot of instances. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was interesting for sure. Um, and, um, I, I think it'll be a very, very good match. You know, I, it could potentially be the WWE match of the year. Um, I, you know, for sure, because I think they're going to have a tremendous, tremendous match. I agree. And, uh, last thing on the raw and uh, the, the, the WWE end this week was mentioned on raw, which they usually never do this type of stuff. You had the SmackDown beat Raw for the first time since the brand split in the ratings. Of course, this week it went back to the way it was. I think it had a lot to do with the Cena, Cena, uh, Cena return and, you know, really promoting the show with all the matches from the wild card last week. But one of the things that came out of it is you've got the return of The Undertaker and HBK promoting his, uh, his movie. But what do you think of the idea of The Undertaker and HBK being on Raw this week with them trying to stack the card? Do you think we get something with the future of Undertaker? Do you think he's going into the Rumble? What do you, what do you think that The Undertaker thing is more than the HBK thing? Because I think it's more of a promotional sure, yeah, thing. HBK, yeah. He's not wrestling again. Um, it sounds like The Undertaker is going to be involved in WrestleMania again. So if he's going to be involved in WrestleMania again, I would assume that he would be involved in... Um, the Royal Rumble. So yeah, maybe he come, he's going to be on Raw or SmackDown. Well, he's a, he's always said he's a SmackDown guy, but he's going to be on this week's Raw. Okay, all right. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, maybe they're in desperate need to get some ratings, especially with the um, the national championship game. So yeah, so we'll see what happens. I think uh, um, Undertaker. I don't know if he'll. I don't know what he's going to do, right? Because I think 
if you're the WWE, you really want him on SmackDown to declare, I'm going to be at the Rumble, right? I, I don't know. I feel like you don't want him on Raw saying, I'm going to be, if he's representing SmackDown, he should be on SmackDown. Um, so it might just be an appearance. It might not be anything crazy. Um, but more than likely, he will declare he's in the Rumble. But I think that's a mistake if they have him do that on, on Raw. I agree. I mean, I think that's what it's going to be. But I, I totally agree. I think The Undertaker should make whatever announcement he's going to make it on the show that he's on. But Roy wants to stay the A show. It's, I think it scared them a little bit that the ratings were down. Uh, so let's get to a couple of non-WWE things before we get out of here this week. The big story that we this podcast has been following, you know, as much as we can over the last since we've actually started, basically. Uh, TNA is official. Well, we knew officially that Anthem has taken over Taking over, and, and I saw it because I had a chance to watch uh, Impact this week. Anthem's name was all over that show. Dixie Carter is out. She's she's a minority, you know, shareholder now. But she, this week, you even saw on the show they weren't promoting her Twitter, which they do every week, or her Facebook. So she's gone in that end. Uh, Ethan Carter the third even uh, commented on uh, Twitter. He said, "Maybe my new name should be Ethan Anthem the third. So, I mean, what do you think the idea of Dixie apparently finally being out? And where do you see this going in the future? Do you have hope now that they have a backer and stuff? Or do you think this company is still on its last legs every other week? And of course, they, how do they make money? I mean, I know you kept saying this thing about Dixie, 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 Dixie. Like, it's fine, but, you know, they, they need to make money. You know, it looks like Dutch Mantel's back and Jeff Jarrett's back mm-hmm. as, you know, consultants and you know, maybe helping with creative. Um, it looks like, you know, Lagana's gone. Um, so, you know, some people are there. Some people have left. Obviously, Dixie being the one, the, the kind of headliner to have left. But they're still on this barter TV deal. Um, and they still aren't, aren't making money. So, I, I, I don't, until I see something where they sign a contract where they're making money for their TV shows, uh, I, it's not going to get me to think anything other than that they're still in financial trouble. I could I agree with that. Now, here comes the part two to this. There's rumors now going out again that Alberto Del Rio slash Alberto Del El Patron is once again talking with uh, TNA about signing there. I don't know how much you've been following this uh, El Patron situation, but the guy is a godforsaken mess. He's getting into bar fights. He's no-showing shows. I mean, the whole stuff with Paige. Do you think a guy, as big of a name as Del Rio is and as much as, you know, he's a guy that people may care about, is, TNA, is Del Rio worth the risk of, a, of TNA signing with him? You know, I think that's something we got to really think about. What, what, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? I, I think it. I mean. Do you stay, basically, do you stay away from Del no, Rio's too much? No, this isn't the NFL. Like, if a guy gets in bar fights, who cares? Um... I think I don't know how they have money to sign him, but <laughs> I think that's uh, that'd be my issue. But in terms of signing him because he gets in a bar fight and he seems like he's a little bit of a mess, like I, I think it's I think that's fine. I mean, who cares? A lot of these wrestlers are a mess. The guys in the '80s were. If there's Twitter in the '80s, I mean, half these guys wouldn't be on rosters by that by that. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, if he's a, if they have the money to sign him and they think he's worth it, then they should sign him. I think Del Rio's a good hand. He does sound like he has some personal issues, but you know, I mean, it doesn't mean you can't sign him. He hasn't like he's not you know he's a mess, but you know he's not doing any he's not doing anything great. But again, it is what it is what it is. Like he's not beating up women. He's not domestic violence things like that. Um, you know, bar fights are bar fights. Well, and I guess the the last part of that, the third part of that question is, is I don't know if anybody truly is besides you know the broken Matt Hardy character. Does 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 Del Rio Poltrone, whatever his name he's calling himself, does he move that proverbial needle for TNA? No, is he going to matter? No, no, he doesn't. No. So if he doesn't matter, should they sign him? Well, he's good. I mean, you, I mean, right? You need good wrestlers to have a good product, and he's a good wrestler. So. I mean, moving a needle, I mean, I don't even know what that means, right? Cena moves the needle. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how many Undertaker, I mean, I don't even know how many guys move the needle in wrestling. There's like eight, five guys or less than that. 
So I don't even know what that means. But in terms of is he a good hand, you know, he's definitely a good hand. Um, do you pay him and make him the top star of the company? I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. But I, I do know Lucha Underground, he was super, super over. With Ring of Honor, for the little time he was there, he was super, super over. So um, I do think he has a lot more potential than what he has shown in the WWE, mainly because of the WWE. And um, so I do think he could really have a, a, a big impact um, in terms of are, are they going to get 50,000 more people to watch because he's on the show? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. But um, I do think the show will be better for having him on it, for sure. All right, second to last topic. I know you didn't get a chance to watch Lucha Underground this week, but uh, the big thing coming out of the show, besides uh, Willie Mack versus Mundo for uh, basically, I guess, like an Iron Man match for the whole entire show, is they put a promo out there saying this is the midseason finale. As bad as season two was, season three has been better, but we had basically like a one-month break in between. How long of a break do you think there should be? And we don't know yet, but how long of a break do you think we should have from season 3A to season 3B with Lucha Underground? Do you think that, especially with 40 episodes, do you think that they should take a month break? A, you know, should they be gone for a couple of months? How, what, we have, what we have to be careful, right? You can't have too long of a break because people are trying to watch something at a certain time. Um, obviously, with DVR and things like that, you know, people use that a ton now. But people still watch a show when they watch a show, right? So I think there still is that element of it, and people are used to watching something at a certain time. So they have to be careful not to have too long of a dry spell um, and people kind of forget that the show's off. So there is that element of it too, but then you don't want it to be so short that people are like, did they even have a break? So, I mean, maybe a month would be would be good. I don't think you probably don't want to go longer than a month, I would say. You know, four, so four weeks or whatever. I think that'd be that'd be fine, you know, but you but you tell people, oh, look at what's going to happen. You, you know, get, get on Raw, get on the USA Network, get on, get on some places, let people know what's going on. Let people know that, um, you know, uh, the show's coming in, and, and the storylines of what could happen and things like that. So, um you know, I think a month break would be good. Uh, I, I, you know, I think I'd go slightly longer than that. I mean, a lot of the, like, popular TV series like The Walking Dead, they have, like, a two, two-and-a-half-month break between the well, first half and the second this isn't, I, I mean, this isn't The Walking Dead, right? I mean, and also it's wrestling. So it's, it's a TV show, but it's a wrestling show. Raw's on every week. SmackDown's on every week. NXT's on every week. Ring of Honor's on every week, right? TNA's on every week. So this isn't like The Walking Dead. I mean, this isn't, you know, the most popular show on cable television. They can take a break for a year, and when they come back, people are still going to be, you know, whatever. Lucha Underground has to be careful that they don't lose the audience that they already have. I, so, I can see that. I mean, they are the most popular show on the L-Ray Network, so they do have a built-in audience. But I think that one of the things that we've spoken about in the past is the idea that I think that sometimes you need a break to freshen up the product and give people a little time to just relax and not, you know, be able to. And then when it comes back, you're looking forward to it. I think one of the problems that you had between season two and three was that there was such a short break, which I think it was like th maybe two or three. I think it might have been three weeks that there wasn't enough time to get that bad taste out of your mouth of what season two was. And I know season three has been better, but I think this company could really use a little bit more time off. But final subject of the day. We teased this last week in the last few moments of the show, as Jay looked like he was about to kill me at that point. But uh, Kurt Angle, former WWE superstar, TNA, everywhere else, has told uh, promoters that he won't be taking any bookings after, I believe, uh, mid-February, early March, which uh, has led people to believe that he might be back in time for uh, WrestleMania. So, uh, Jay, what's your thoughts on a possible return Kurt Angle, do you care? Do you want to see it? Uh, do you want to just see him as a training type of guy for the WWE Performance Center? I mean, what do you want to see with him? I mean, listen, if Kurt Angle was healthy and was 37 years old, I'd want him to be out there wrestling every week. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a Hall of Famer at whatever he is, almost 50 and, you know, a lot of injuries, all this stuff. I, I don't want to really see him out there. I, you know, 
me as a as an adult who watches this and sees the injuries these guys have and these documentaries on where these guys end up, you know, I worry that I'm gonna see the man die in the ring. So like I, I, I don't wanna see him out there. It's not worth it. Maybe like for a spot, you know, come out for the rumble and get thrown out or eliminate a guy. Like that's okay. I don't want to see him out there wrestle a 20-minute match against Kevin Owens, killing himself out there. Um, and then be a trainer. He, you know, again, right, Corey, we talk about this all the time with the, with managers. Like, you know, like, why not be, you know, and it's so funny because so Corey and I send notes to each other sometimes during the show, remind each other about topics, and Corey just put the American Alpha. And I was just going to say, you know, he could be a great manager. He would be a tremendous manager for, you know, the American Alpha, for, you know, one of those teams. Um, why not have him be a manager? He's a great talker. He's funny. He could do he could do great things. You could have him take bumps every now and again, too. I mean, I think, you you know, you utilize him as a trainer, you know, have him come out to the TV shows and maybe be a manager on SmackDown for American Alpha or whatever. Yeah, I think you'd be tremendous in that role. But, you know, we'll see wrestling is better for having him involved and the WWE will be better for having him involved, but he doesn't need to be an active competitor for that to be the case. Uh, my last, my thought on this is I've seen uh, quite a few of his matches on the Indies. He had a match with Zack Sabre Jr. He had a match with Joe Henry on the ICW big pay-per-view last month. I mean, he's did a match with Cody. So, I mean, he's done some stuff. I don't think he's looked spectacular, but you know what? When you see the, say the name, Kurt Angle, I would like to see him have one more WrestleMania moment. I know that's maybe selfish as a fan, especially when he, you know, he may not be able to even pass, you know, a physical with the drug tests and everything. Who knows with that? But I'd like to see him short run, maybe six months, do a couple of shows here and there. But he's a guy who I feel should end his career in the WWE. You know, I know he's. I know if you look at, it, he's mostly spent more time wise in TNA. Years wise than the WWE, but when I think when I think Kurt Angle, I think WWE. And if he could figure out a way that McMahon wants him to be in there, I think he should get one more short run. You know, he doesn't have to even be. He could do his WrestleMania in the match and then do some stuff with you know NXT or something. Being a guy who does a couple of things with a Joe or Nakamura or whatever you want to do. But I do feel that if it can get done, I'd like to see him at least in there one more time. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, on that note, uh, Jay, it's time for you to plug my Twitter. And if anything else you want to talk about, you know, it's up to you. Sure. We're on Twitter, at WorksShootPod. I'm not even going to give Corey's out today. You don't need that. Um, also, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher at the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Well, iTunes, we're Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Stitcher, the, we are the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. So uh, sorry for the confusion there. Uh, look us up on Facebook at the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. We have a page and we have a group. Um, you know, we share stuff. The group is really a group of wrestling and just want to talk about wrestling and stuff like that. So um, just, just look us up on Facebook. Uh, also check out our website, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash work shoot podcast. Very, very cool. And uh, that, that Twitter is Paladin808. Everyone should go and follow because, you know, I say nothing that really matters. But, you know, I like I like the followers. But... Uh, it's time, 2017 Wrestling Radio Awards. You can start, you can vote now until January 31st at uh, WrestlingRadioAwards.com. Once again, for the second straight year and the third year as a show, we are up for best podcast of the year. You can vote once every 24 hours, but we'd love the support. Get out there, let people know about the podcast, and please vote for us once again. WrestlingRadioAwards.com. You can vote uh, until Tuesday, January 31st at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So we'd love your support. And my last thing, I know that Jay mostly didn't see it, but I saw this and it just, I just, my head almost exploded. WWE this past week after Raw had a show called Bring It to the Table with uh, Peter Rosenberg and uh, JBL and Paul Heyman. It was basically a half hour of telling wrestling fans that they're stupid because they don't have the opinions of what the WWE wants them to believe. If Jay, at some point you want to check this out and get a headache, that's fine. Rosen, but, Rosenberg, I don't, I don't, he annoys me, so uh, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't really want to be involved in anything that he does. I understand, but like I said, I checked it out. 
it was just an, basically a half hour of the WWE saying, you should really follow everything we say, and wrestling fans, you're stupid. So I, I, I'll never watch that again. But hey, it was a some, they tried to do like a PTI type of thing. Didn't work very well. But uh, Jason, thank you as always for joining us this week. So for uh, Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. Once again, vote for us, WrestlingRadioAwards.com. Uh, Jason, the floor is yours. Final words, thoughts. Let it snow. I think we're done here. See ya.